Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to bring me aboard. Permission to come aboard. Welcome to the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's D.A. All right. Welcome inside the freshest edition of the Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. It's number 92. And as always, it's got its own iTunes feed, so you can download it there. Go on to iTunes, search permission granted podcast and find us there download us for free subscribe for free you'll get every single episode of the pgp also the permission granted podcast is available on the normal da show itunes feed so you can catch it there and we always put it in video form on our facebook page facebook.com slash the da show go there check it out each and every week and it's also available on our website da on cbs.com So you can download it or listen to it on your desktop or your phone right there. A lot of easy ways to listen to the PGP. In a little bit, the one and only Dave Shepard is going to join the PGP. Mraz sat him down for a long-form, in-depth interview. And I think it's important because there's nobody like producer Shep. Shep is the producer of the, or one of the producers along with Mafia, of the Scott Farrell show and Shep will be leaving CBS sports radio and sports media altogether to embark upon a very honorable career. And that is teaching. He's going through the teach for America process program. And he's heading to Memphis to be a teacher in the, in the, Memphis City School District, which really has had problems with teachers and education and structure and funding, et cetera. So it's a really cool thing that he's doing. But what an interesting dynamic to go from this loony bin to that loony bin. And Mraz jumps in now. Did you get any answers about what was the thing that that finalized his change in in direction? What was the moment? What was the element that really made him go 180 from a totally different career into teaching. Uh, yes, I did, and not to tease everything because we went about 24 minutes with uh, Dave Shepard, like it was 60 minutes exciting. on CBS. Exciting. Yes, uh, he apparently had a sit down with a couple teachers in the Bronx in New York, and all the teachers kept talking about. And I think this wasn't in school hours; were about the kids and about the kids. And something about that Shep, as we've learned to know, all he wants to do is help kids and help others. He realized that he, while talking sports is awesome and all that, his uh, real endeavor in life, his reason for life, was to go out and help kids. And by getting involved in the teachers in America, he wanted to be like those teachers where all they thought about and all they cared about was kids. And he felt he could do some good in that to go to an area like Memphis and help out as a teacher. Okay, very good. So 
Our listeners will know Shep from some assorted segments on our show throughout the years. Shep has a very special place in the in the uh, the tapestry that is CBS Sports Radio because Shep can be very mild mannered. Mm-hmm. Shep is behind the scenes helping research for Scott Farrell helping screen the phone calls for Scotty, helping book the guests, helping set up interviews. Losing his headphones. Losing Scotty's headphones. And Shep is so mild-mannered. And yet there are times that Pharrell will have him come on the air, and Shep has scorching hot takes, very opinionated, very angry at times. He's he's passionate. He's very passionate. We get into a lot of that passion he has coming up. so, So I think... Our listeners might know Shep just from these kind of crazy swings and emotion. I mean, he's a real character. He's a loose cannon. Well, not terribly a loose cannon. He's he's a loose cannon with, with some characteristics about him. He, uh, you know, not that he's crazy, but he just has so much energy, and you don't know what what Shep you're getting on a given day. Yeah, I don't know though. I don't know if it's that he has a lot of energy. He I just swings he does. dramatically. He can. I mean, if if there is a sports thing that he has an opinion on, he is going to fight you to the death. Well, I'll give you an example of this. And actually, I just ran out of time with Shep because I want to ask him about this one specific moment that the listeners don't even know about. There's a man who's famous at WFAN in New York called Bobby Usler, who we know Bobby Usler, big diehard Met fan. I'll never forget this. He's the sports update anchor many days during the week, oftentimes at night. Bob right. Huesler you could hear him. Been you heard him for years on Mike and the Mad Dog. Update anchor for decades on the fan. His nickname is Mr. Met. As you found out, he hasn't missed a Met opening day in, what'd you say? 20, 30-something years. 30-something years, okay. So it was about three years ago, I would say, or whenever the Spurs were playing the Heat in the finals, okay, a couple of years ago. Okay. Now, Shep is a big NBA guy, very passionate about history in the NBA and everything. And I want to say the Mets, Zach Wheeler was making his debut, and they already had Harvey come up or something like that. And the back pages all over New York, Met fans are fired up. It was all about Zach Wheeler, all about Zach Wheeler. And the Spurs were one game away from winning the NBA Finals. And that was a big deal for Tim Duncan's career, and they ended up doing so. So Shep approached Bob, who's the wrong person to approach about the question he asked, with two newspapers in his hand. And I was there to witness this. And he went up to Bob and he said, Bob, you believe this man? I mean, I understand this guy's making his debut for the Mets, but this is Tim Duncan, man, one of the greats of all time, going for another ring. How is Tim Duncan not on the back pages? This is 15 minutes before Zach Wheeler's going to throw his first MLB pitch. Bob Usler spit flying out of his mouth, yelled so many curse words that can't be uttered (laughs) on the air at Shep to basically leave him alone as he was in the zone and saying it's ridiculous for you to assert that Tim Duncan and the Spurs should be on the front page of any New York newspaper with what was about to happen with the Mets basically feeling this was going to be one of their pitching saviors about to make his debut. And Shep, instead of backing down off Bob, got really loud and heated in Bob's face and stood his ground with that, you know, passion we were talking about, like to firmly, you know, this is Tim Duncan, he's a top 10 player, nobody's giving him any respect, and Bob wanted no part of that. Bob just wanted to mellow out and enjoy Zach Wheeler's start, and Shep ruined that night for him, and we were all there to witness it in the newsroom, and boy, was it something. Well, in terms of the, um, the list of most memorable Shep moments, both on and off the air, Certainly his dating exploits or lack thereof uh, mm-hmm. are are in that conversation. But I think when he was homeless has got to be the number one moment, right? 
We didn't know where he was sleeping. He was sleeping at times here at the radio station. He was not, uh, he had no clean clothing. He was carrying his belongings in a garbage bag. You know what? I do remember, and that's a great point. And, you know, not to tease anything, I didn't get into the homeless aspect with him because there were other moments that I got into that I actually thought were more memorable. But now that you say it, I know I was really ticked. That was when he had the bed bugs that he left, and he was carrying around just garbage. Like, he had, like, old pencils that were poking through (laughs) garbage bags. It was just like he cleaned out everything. Like, that just shows you how many Shep moments he's had around here. He's such an enigma. He is such an enigma. He's true. You know when you hear that saying, one of a kind? Shep is literally one of a kind. It's amazing. Yeah, he's been homeless. He, but he's <laughs> he's stormed he, at NYU. He re, he rematriculated in college at NYU just for the dorm housing, just for the dorm housing, and then continued to go to class anyway, even though he didn't need the class. And the class was how to get a career. Right, he had to take one course to in the uh, summer to be eligible for. Dormitory housing to campus housing. That's also when he was sleep when he was uh, sharing a room with no divider with the guy that woke up staring at him. Or no, no, Shep woke up and this guy was just sitting on the on the uh, at his desk staring at Shep sleep. Wouldn't tell him his name. Wouldn't tell I'm your Shep roommate, his name. bro. Wouldn't tell Shep his name. And Shep had to go to the Bursar's office to find out the name. And the people at the Bursar looked at Shep like he was crazy to say, "How do you not know your roommate's name?" Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Shep has so many anecdotes and stories. He's been very upset that uh, online dating has not been um, good for him. Oh, yeah. He he feels as though the clock is ticking on getting married. He has an update on the online dating. Okay. Uh, and there was a couple of these Shep moments we're forgetting that you haven't mentioned. His When he doubled up on Valentine's Day dates only to have them both bail. Right. <laughs> oh. Right. So, you know, right. he tried to be, you know, Mr. Bachelor. And for me, my favorite Chet moment, you brought up the homeless moment, and something I'm going to ask him about is the moment where Kenny Brock accused him of stealing his sandwich out of the fridge. Great moment. When we really didn't, like, that was when Shep had first started out, okay? I believe Rasan might have still been working Sizzle, for those who remember. Oh, definitely was still and working. And Shep was the tape op, if you will. Yeah. And there was a moment where Kenny, who was eating basically like nothing, okay, because the overnight hours had worn on him, Kenny Brock, he had gotten a sandwich and ate half of it at work. I wanted to save half of it the next day. The next day he comes in, the sandwich is gone. And we did a whole, you know, Unsolved Mysteries thing on the show. And all our signs. Right, Sandwich Gate. All our evidence pointed to Shep. And we put Shep under the heat lamp. And that's when he was talking in weird accents and all this stuff. And it was a really funny moment from the DA Overnight Show. And as it all turns out, we later found out no matter how much he was denying, turns out it wasn't Shep. It was Rich Ackerman who threw it out. (laughs) And I think that was the point that turned. We realized, man, we wrongly accused this guy. And that's when we really, that was like a moment where we really started to get to know Shep. Yeah, I'll, I'm really going to miss Pharrell, I mean, just demolishing him on the air. I mean, really eradicating Mount his, Shasta. his spirit. Just just really uh, eviscerating Shep on a daily basis. Yeah. On he, the air. On the air, especially when he comes out with takes on the air, like Joe DiMaggio doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Among oh, others. I mean, it really was. It was... When when Pharrell, who's a total legend, kind of uh, would serve up Shep on a platter, it was like leading lambs to the slaughter. <laughs> it was like, let's ask Shep what his opinion is so that I can absolutely destroy it right now.
He knew. He knew. It was great radio. It was great radio. That's something I will miss because those would be the best. When our show would end and Pharrell, Pharrell right out of lead, would go. he knew he had something out of Shep, would go to it and then just kill Shep out of the top. Those were great moments. I will miss those moments. Do you think that most listeners know that when Pharrell does his famous open and he's running down, I, I don't know what the list is, but he says Mount Shasta. That that is a reference to Shep's dandruff? I would hope. I think that's been established enough at this point that Shep, over the years, has had really bad dandruff. I don't think he does anymore, though. Ever since he got the new haircut, where he cut the sides off. But every he would always wear the dark shirts, and it would just literally be like a blizzard on his shoulders. <laughs> and and instead of just letting it slide, Pharrell would totally make fun of him for it. It was unbelievable. It's like it was like bad people, bad dog, bad drugs, bad dog, bad mouth, Chasta. <laughs> Classic stuff, I'm man. Gonna miss it. Shep, a legend that will be missed. Shep said that if um, if I ever visited Memphis, I could stay with him, and I was like, "That's very nice." You'd have to get a hotel. But I'm saying, could you possibly trust Shep's one bedroom joint in downtown Memphis? Absolutely not. It's He's probably staying in the same spot we stayed in in San Francisco, I'd imagine. It's something similar. Yeah. Same neighborhood, that kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. Very drug and crime ridden. Right. Does Shep become a big Grizzlies fan, you think? Uh, maybe. Seems like the kind of guy that would get behind like the local support, you know? But maybe he would get behind the University of Memphis. Okay. Well, Fuentes ain't there anymore, but maybe. Yeah. That's what I would think. Um, as we segue, today I released on YouTube a five-and-a-half-minute video of old sports predictions from when I visited WFAN and interviewed Francesa, Mad Dog, and Steve Summers back in 1997 when I was in high school. And let me tell you, the predictions were pretty good from all of those guys. I At that time, I'd ask them about how they thought the Mets and Yankees were going to do that year, how they thought the Giants and Jets were going to do that year. This is 97? This is 97. If you go down the list, almost all of them hit all of them. They were really, really, really good. I asked uh, Russo what he thought about the Mets and Yankees. He said the Mets were not going to be very good at all. The Yankees were going to be good, but would not repeat their 96 World Series championship. He was correct. Dead on. Um the Mets, though, did win 85 games, shockingly, that year. So they weren't terrible. That was Bobby V's first full season, I believe. So and the Mets were starting to get on the climb, on the come. Yeah, kind of surprising there. But uh, I asked Francesa about the Giants and Jets' new coaching hires, Parcells and Fossil. That's crazy to think of those as new coaching hires, looking back. Yeah, and he said the Jets will build a championship team. He said they might need some luck to win a championship, but they will be a ch- championship-caliber team. They were in the 98 AFC championship game. Jets in 97 went 9-7, and seven, missed the playoffs in 98, went to the AFC title game. Parcells was only there for three years. He did say he didn't know what to expect with the Fossil. He said he didn't think the Giants had much talent. That was a very shocking 97 season where they went 10-5-1. With Danny Cannell at quarterback. Correct. Now, Francesa, though, did now... The quarterback situation goes, I don't know what we got in Dave Brown. I don't think that he's the answer. Absolutely true. He was not the answer. Yeah, they went 3-3. Three and three. I, ch- I did all of this research so that I could build the graphics around all the predictions to see how they did. And the Giants went 3-3 three and three with um, 
Brown and then switched to Cannell. The Danny Cannell, which is hysterical. Right. Now, Danny Cannell's made a name for himself doing anything else but playing football. He went 7-2-1, and one, and then they lost that crushing wild card game with the Vikings in the ring. Chris Calloway fumbled onside's kick. That's right. Yes. So those were spot on. I asked, I asked uh, Francesa if he thought the Knicks could get past the Bulls in the playoffs. He said no. He said Michael Jordan is the greatest player ever. He said, and as long as him and Scottie Pippen are together, they're going to keep winning championships. That year, 97, was the fifth championship. They beat the Jazz in six. And he was absolutely right. Nobody could catch them. Nobody could be as good. The Knicks that year had lost the second round of the Heat. The Heat would end up playing in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bulls where they lost. I asked uh, Schmooze, Steve Summers, about the Rangers that summer. He said they don't have enough firepower to get through the second round that they're not good enough. They, was this coming off their conference final? I don't know. 97, they were a five seed. I believe they made the conference finals versus the Flyers and got swept in the conference finals. In 96? Final. I think it was 90, the 90. Oh, maybe it was 96, 97 that season. No, spring of 97, I did this research as well. They lost in the second round of the Devils. Okay. So maybe it was the next year that they went, 97, 98. Maybe. But Schmooze kind of hit that one. I mean, even Schmooze even said... You gotta like the Blue Jays rotation in the American League East, and he mentioned, I guess, Pat Henkin and Henkin was a Cy Young Award winner in '96. So, and then he brought up Clemens, Guzman, Guzman. Yes, he brings up Guzman, and he brings up Clemens. Now, Clemens was coming off a 10 and 13 season with the Red Sox with a four ERA or something. And Schmooze brings up Clemens, who at that point you thought his career was over, remember? Right. That was where Clemens definitely did steroids. He went 21 and 7 <laughs> with like a 2 2 ERA and won the Cy Young. And Schmooze kind of called it. Good for Schmooze on top of the Rocket stuff. Everybody really nailed it. So it's worth going back and watching. I just posted this on YouTube on Tuesday. I posted it on Facebook and on Twitter. It's on youtube.com slash the DA show. You'll like this. I'm into that stuff. I'm into old predictions. If you want to get into it too, we could do this later on in the other week. I just found uh, when I broke down the Giants and Jets draft for the Suffolk County uh, Clipper newspaper like eight years ago. Okay. Uh, This was just uncovered by Danielle yesterday. I could bring that in and look at uh, how I analyzed the draft. That was the first time I ever analyzed an NFL draft. I'd love that. Okay, so we could look at that later in the week if you want as well if we're into old predictions. I'd love that. Yes, the only other thing that you have to watch for in this video is watch it to the end because at the end I'm trying to sign off for my cable access show from a a high school (laughs) communications program and Steve Summers sticks his finger in my ear and pokes my eyes as I'm trying to sign off. That's typical schmooze. That's classic stuff. Definitely schmoozy. So check it out. That's on YouTube right now. Shep is here for side B of the Permission Granted podcast. Welcome into Side B of the Permission Granted Podcast, a very special, special Side B here. I am the executive producer of the DA Show, Sean Mraz. Of course, if you're listening to this, you already know that. Usually on Side B, we give you a little eclectic group, whether it's Joe D'Aloisio, James uh, James Ward, maybe even a Jay Berman, anybody else who's been on the show. This Side B, though, is going to be special because I believe for the first time ever on the Permission Granted Podcast, we're bringing in the great Dave Shepard, known as Shep, from Pharrell on the Bench, for a, a bunch of reasons that we're going to get to. I'd like to bring him in now. Shep, welcome to the Permission Granted Podcast. 
Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thank, thank you. So now those listeners who have listened to the DA show, I mean, geez, for the last three or so years, you have made some random appearances on the show. So our listeners are very familiar with you. And, and a lot of times we have a, a very similar listener base that may carry over from one show to another. Right. So you're no stranger to our listeners. The reason I want to bring you in, Shep, is because personally, I am going to be on vacation next week. That's a little spoiler. Joe D'Aloisio will host Side B. It'll, I'm going on a, a little summer vacation. I have a wedding. By the way, side note, my mic is on, right? Yeah, it's on. Beautiful. Oh, because there's no light on yeah. your side. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, it's on. Okay, it's good. On. You talk again. Good. Yeah. I, I just wanted to, I don't want to sell this one short. No, no, this okay. one won't be sold short. Anyway, I will be away. So therefore, I will not be here for a very special week, which will be... I can let you say it. Yeah, it's going to be my last week here. Your last week at CBS Sports Radio, which, personally, I'm pretty sad about. Because, Shep, you've given me a lot of laughs for three years. I know you've given the show a lot of laughs. And you're just a good person to be around. Thank you, sir. For those who don't listen to Shep and hear all his quirkiness about being a cat uncle and and his dating exploits, which we'll get into all those moments that he's had, he's a really genuinely nice person. So losing a nice person in this job sucks. You don't want to see somebody go. But... You're getting a great opportunity. You're kind of changing your uh, line of work, and you're become, becoming a teacher. Right. And moving out of New York, right. Connecticut, and moving to Memphis, Tennessee. Right. Which is, which is great. So what, you're excited about this, obviously? Or are you more nervous? You're scared? You know what? Um, you know, you can speak to this, Mraz. You become so much a part of your company. I mean, you talk about what you've done with the show, the opportunities you've been able to create with it. Um, DA is... And I don't want to speak for you. It's kind of like a family at this point. Of course, right? yeah. Kind of like an older brother. Well, I would say anybody you spend, especially working with the show. Right. I, I, Kenny Brock was like this. Right now, Joe and James have very much become a part of this. Right. You actually spend more time in your week with the guys around you on your show when you consider you add up those 40 hours a week than you really do depending on you know the schedule of a loved one at home or anybody you live with. They really become a family for you. You spend a right. lot of time with them. More time than anyone else. Right. 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 I actually probably, you don't even work on the show directly. I probably see you more than I see my wife. Wow. It's true. Because Your wife is very sweet. Oh, thank you. I've, I've met her. I've met her a couple I know, times. I know you've met her. I very, know met her. very nice girl. So getting back to this, though. Right. It's, so that part of it, leaving family, you feel like, is, is a sad part of that. Leaving family and leaving this job. I mean, we get to talk sports. Um, you know, we get to have fun. You know, Mraz, I, I'm very fortunate. I mean, I don't know the day guys too well. But I work with the night guys, and I, and I see you, and I see DA, and I see Joe, and James, and, and Jay, and Max, and I got really lucky. No, you did. I, I think we could group. We had some fun at night. I got really lucky to be with you guys. You guys I are all good. You want to talk about genuinely good people, Mraz? You guys are genuinely good people. I appreciate that, Shep. And um, you guys have always been, especially you, especially you, you have always been understanding of me. You've always been receptive to me. You've been warm to me. I can't tell you how much better that has made my professional life. Quality people that I've got to work with, that supersedes the job to me. It's the people you... And you know what, Mraz? I want to also apologize. Oh, here we go. Because I could have made more of an effort to be social. I could have initiated things. That's fine, Shep. It's one of the things I look back on and I regret because so much a part of being in your 20s is developing friendships, going out, going on vacations. And I never really initiated that with anyone here. And you're the guy, you're one of the guys I certainly would have wanted to do that with. So I apologize. Well, that's very nice, Shep. Now, that being said, we're going to have some fun here. Okay? Yes. We're five minutes in. Right. The lovey-dovey, you're leaving it's over stuff. With. It's right. over with. Right. The main thing here is it's sad to see, and I hope we get to call you or call in and check in on you. That's something I would love, at least on the Permission Granted Podcast, to be able to call in and see how things are going sure. teaching down in Memphis. Sure. 
But that being said, this you know this is the last time for a while we're going to see you face to face. Yeah, we got to we got to go back and revisit some of the moments and look back at your tenure and your three years at CBS Sports Radio, right? And really, uh, you know, really have some fun with it. Now, when Pharrell on the Bench first started on CBS Sports Radio, and CBS Sports Radio first launched, you weren't part of Pharrell on the Bench. No, it was wasn't. Mafia and it was Sizzle who right. was on the show, right? And it was maybe only a couple months into CBS Sports Radio launching that you were brought in as a tape op and a morning producer on the weekends, right. early and- March, right? Scott Farrell was able to bring you in and, and got you that job, and you were kind of the waiting in the wings guy for when Sizzle left. You right. took over. So when you got here, nobody really knew who you were. Okay, right. you no were, one still knows who I am. <laughs> you were out there cutting tape, and uh, you know you were asking a lot of questions. You were dressed very nice. I remember you very dressed. You know the tucked in shirt. Everybody, you know us at night, we're all dressed like slobs. Right. And our first impression with you was like, all right, who is this guy? You know right. what? What about him? And you have this quirky personality about you that I know everybody's growing growing to love. Where. Almost for a while, we didn't know if the joke was on us. If you were messing with everybody's head, right? Because of the way you're, you know, you're, you know, you hear the way you're talking, I'm right. calm, cool, whatever. Right. And it's almost like, is this guy, is this guy messing with us? And you learn that you're not messing with us. That's who you are. Yeah. So, I mean, looking back at those times and seeing how far we've come, what is your standout? Like, uh, you know, forget, you know, best. Like, you know, oh, I had a really good rant on this. What do you think is your funniest moment at CBS Sports Radio for the last three years? Could be off air, on air. Well, funniest moment I would say was uh, playing the wrong open. Um, okay, Scott, not the wrong open, but the same open. Um, that was that wasn't that long ago, no. right? And he belittled you on the air. I think we played the audio on the show. Mraz, I could pick out twenty segments where I get destroyed by Scott. <laughs> and the worst thing about it is we have callers. Obviously, you 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 guys have huge uh, callers. We do really well with calls as well, and um, they always bring it up. So I never live it down. You never. Well, listen. I there's a lot of stuff that I've done that I never lived down. Right. Uh, you know the crying over Jeter stuff, which I also want to get to. That was something that happened in the beginning of your tenure. Right. Uh, not crying over Jeter. Right. But you know where I'm going with this. Right. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, this actually wasn't on air. Shep was doing weekend mornings producing before he went up for on the bench, and it was still when we were trying to figure out who this guy was. And it became kind of an urban legend when I wasn't here on a sat or was a Saturday or a Sunday morning. Where it was, I guess, three years ago, Wimbledon was on, okay? Right, right. And you're watching the end of Wimbledon. Now, to be fair, good for Shep. He likes tennis. We can all agree that tennis is kind of a dying sport in terms of popularity. But you sat there and you watched the end of Wimbledon. I don't even know who won. I couldn't tell you who won. But you were openly crying in front of everybody in the newsroom at how beautiful the moment was. Right. Which just, like, again, was another one of those moments at the beginning where, like, is this guy messing with us? Does he really care that much about Wimbledon, the passion? Like, explain that to us. What made you cry about watching, uh, you know, somebody win in Wimbledon? Oh, it's the story. It's the story. It's the fact that uh, I believe it was. I want to say maybe the 1930s was the last time a uh, Great Brit won Wimbledon. Mraz, that's generation upon generation upon generation of waiting. If you look at the NBA today, mm-hmm. it's an amazing story. What's going to happen? The Thunder are going to beat the Warriors, by the way, in okay. this series. It's an amazing story because it was all the Spurs. It was all the Warriors. I root for the story. I don't root for a team. I root for the player because I root for the individual. And that's why for me, I always rooted for the Lakers because of Kobe Bryant because he was the realest dude in the NBA. He worked harder than anybody else. The realest dude. The realest dude in the NBA. Okay. He wasn't about social media. He wasn't about being boys and working out at the same gym despite the fact that you're different teammates. I know you know who I'm referring to there. Right. But the fact that Andy Murray finally broke through. Finally okay, it was broke Andy through. Andy Murray who won. Right. Finally. And, and he was, I mean, Morris, he came at the, uh, you're not a huge tennis guy. No, I wouldn't came, know Andy Murray if you fell on me. Yeah, you would. All right, well, yeah, go on. Yeah, you would. Uh, 
he always went up against the Djokovic's, the Nadal's, the Federer's. He came at the worst possible time to be a good men's tennis player. So that moment really, and you didn't care who you were in front of at all. You were just going to let it go that you were appreciating that moment. I don't care. I don't don't care who I'm See, that's what makes you. Right. Now, so that was a moment that obviously everybody talked about. was like, wow, this guy is a different dude. Right. Now, when we started to bring you on the air on the DA show for, you know, a litany of different reasons, a lot of it circled around your social and uh, romantic life, if we will. It's not getting better. No, listen, I understand. Whether it was the online dating well, yeah, any of it. It was just you had so many funny stories that maybe weren't funny to you, but right. were funny on the air and really translated on the air. Right. One of which stands out was when you had booked multiple Valentine's Day dates and they both bailed on you. Right. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Of course I remember that. So this was Shep's master plan looking back. He had scheduled, what was it, like a 6.30 and an 8.30, both for like dinner dates or something like it's that? It's a 6.30 to 9. 6.30 to 9. So right. he gave himself two and a half hours. He, right. I, you really liked the girl, the second girl. Yeah. But you thought there was a chance she could bail on you. So oh, absolutely. You, so you wanted to assure that you had the date at 6.30. Yes. But as it turns out, the 6.30, who was your number two option, if right. you will, your number two wide receiver, right. she bails on you. Yes. And okay, 40 minutes beforehand. 40 minutes beforehand. Right. So you were bummed out about it, but you said, you know what? At least I cared about this other one. Right. She ends up bailing on you as you predicted, the second one. Right. And you told the story on the air. Have you ever since then uh, went back to the well and tried to do a double per- girl date? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've done it again. Absolutely. Mraz, I'll tell you what the most recent What? You don't you don't consider that I know it's not a girlfriend, but it's not cheating, it's just keeping oh your God. options open. I feel so bad for single guys in this city. Okay. Because you are going to get canceled on more often than not. That's what I've learned. I've dated the the last girl I've um dated is now a mom. So that's how long ago I've Wow. That, right. That's how not long yours. ago. No. Okay. No, 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 no. Um well, I mean I, I don't think so. But uh <laughs> But uh, <laughs> it's crazy. And Mraz, you want to hear something? So she's not married yet. Okay. But she's a mom. Okay. Nothing and, wrong with that in this the, day and age. Right. Nothing wrong with that. And the other girl I dated before that is going to get married. They're both getting married at the same time so you're on like, the same day. On the same How day? How crazy is that? No joke. I'm not making that up. So you're like good luck Chuck. You know, a girl can hang out with yeah. you. Next thing you Absol- know, they're finding Absolutely. the man of their dreams. Absolutely. Uh, the girl I dated in college, the first um, girl that I uh, went dancing with, I'll let you uh, interpret the two there. Okay, um, she ended up meeting the guy right after me, and she got married six years ago. Wow, this is insane. So, do you hope that your move to Memphis will a help your single life and b end this streak of girls seeing you and then meeting their you know significant other after? I- I'm shot. I'm shot. What do you mean you're shot? I you're got gonna, nothing. You're, I got nothing left, man. You're going to be on the prowl in Memphis. She'll be rejuvenated. Rest, I got nothing left. I'm empty. I'm empty. Left. I'm empty. I'm telling you. What do you mean by empty? I'm I'm money. I got nothing left. You mean down there, or you mean emotionally? Emotionally. Oh, okay. I was going to say, at 29, you shouldn't be empty down there. Oh, 29. I'm uh, far from empty. Okay. But, Mraz, right. I, I'm deflated at this point. So I you don't am... think this move could rejuvenate you? What if you find the girl you dreams down no, in Memphis? No, a foul line is a foul line. Nick Anderson can tell you that. Oh, here we go. Uh, Rick, Rick Ankeel? I'm Rick Ankeel. You're not Rick I'm Rick Ankeel. Ankeel. You're I'm a telling young man. you. You're not I'm 50? telling you. I'm telling you. I can't do it. There's certain things. You can't have a lion be a hyena. You can't have a hyena okay. be a lion. Okay. And I'll tell you this much, Mraz. Right. I will never do online dating again. I will never do apps again. I ain't going to meet my wife. If if it ever happens for me, uh-huh. if it ever happens for me, I will not say we met online. That That's not good enough for me. I'm okay. sorry. Well, you know what? This is a brand new city for you that you're going right. to. Right. There's a million opportunities. So you say you're empty. You don't know. You might move down there and all of a sudden a little rejuvenate. What if you meet a fellow teacher? 
somebody at work. See, that's not like working right. here, where it's you know ninety five percent male. It's hard, and with the hours we work, right? I don't need to tell you about no, that. No, but if you're going to work regular teacher hours, you maybe hang out with the teachers you have to work with. Right. You might meet somebody that way. That's a better job, a better opportunity for you to meet a woman. Right, Mariah. Can I? Can I also, with that being said, you know when I knew this was the right job. Okay. You know when I knew this was the right job is I is I have a couple odd jobs. Sorry, um, but the teaching, the teaching. Okay, is it's a Friday afternoon. It's a Friday afternoon. It's the Bronx, okay, East Tremont and Avenue, and uh, and these teachers on a Friday at four o'clock are discussing students and what they can be doing better and how they can be getting through. Right. And these teachers get paid nothing, and they get they get uh, verbal uh, verbally abused every day. They have to deal with you know potential physical harassment there's metal detectors and at the end of a school year they're sitting there thinking about other kids and how they can help them i walked away from that room and i said those guys are my heroes they are my freaking heroes well you've always been that way where you're extremely caring for others and i think almost to a fault yeah it's okay but i'd rather be that than a jerk to a fault i agree (laughs) so that you're a caring guy yourself, you know. No, I appreciate that. I am, but I could be very selfish at times. You, you're just you're, you're just going to be more successful in radio than me. That's the only difference. I, Shep, you never know, man. You what, never what's, know. What's your, what, let me ask you something. Can I, can I ask you a question now? Sure. Feedback. Five years from now, where do you see yourself, honestly? Where do I see myself, honestly? Uh, as far as career-wise yeah. or life-wise? Career-wise. Career uh, one of two ways, okay? Either the DA show with me along with it, and I hope to continue to grow the show, becomes the next Jim Rome show, becomes the next Dan Patrick show, where we are prime time during the day. Right. And absolutely hit, which I think the show, I believe the show. Is You're better the, than any Dan Nett, by the way. I appreciate that. No, 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 no. It's not close. I, I think and believe that the Talk show. Talk about along for the ride. Right. I, <laughs> Sorry. I, I think and believe the show is on the climb to do that. Right. Uh, and maybe, and that probably still would happen, you know, I hope it would happen with me, but even without... I have, uh, I would say, and I think this is no secret, as DA has mentioned this on the air, I believe in my abilities, and I think I could be a host. I believe I could be a host and a damn good host, uh, whether it be on CBS Sports Radio or another local affiliate somewhere. Uh, That's my passion. I love talking sports. I love entertaining. Right. And I think I could do that. So whether that is, uh, you know, still sticking solid with the DA show, which I have no reason to leave other than the fact if I get a hosting job. Uh, but doing that and transitioning and becoming one of the prime shows in America or on my own, uh, you know, having this platform lead me to become a host somewhere else. Sure. So I would say one of those two routes I would be A-OK with. Right. Is that, is that a fair answer? Television or just radio? Well, listen, I, I don't have a face for TV, but if that goes that way, listen, sure. I, I, listen, I've seen some guys on TV. They don't have anything on you. Sure. Sure. I'm all, listen. I'm a I'm a, I'm a a whore for attention. So anything that gets me more exposure, I'm in for. I don't know about that one. I am. I am. Believe I don't me. know about that one. Believe me, I could, I could self-admit that. Okay, before we run out of time. If, one, you, if you admit it, isn't that the same thing as self-admitting it? A- a- admitting something is basically your own volition, right? So it's your own subjectiveness. You don't have yeah. to self-admit something. Good point. Like, I don't have to self-do. That's why you're going to be a good teacher. Right. See? That's you. why I was a terrible student. Uh, anyway. Not in life. No, no. Before we run out of time, sure. Right. One more story I wanted to get to. Yeah. Another classic moment from the DA show, and it happened on our overnight days, where Kenny Brock thought you stole his sandwich and ate his sandwich that he what? left the night before. No. Yeah, okay. You, Shep, before you get all worked up, because you obviously don't remember this moment, you, it, we found out you didn't. Right. Okay. Do you remember the moment? I do. 
So he had gotten either a roast beef sandwich or something. And and Kenny was real frail back in the overnight days. He wasn't eating properly. Right. Those hours really screwed him. I mean, the guy was dipping, spitting in his cup left and right. Right. And he had gotten a sandwich, or as he called in his accent, a sandwich. Uh, and he had eaten half of it and left half of it in the work fridge. When right. he came back the next night, he said, and he was looking forward to having that other half of the sandwich. It was gone. It was thrown out. And we had this, you know, done this whole uh, on-the-show investigation, and signs had pointed to you early on. And you had come on and done the whole thing. And you were not mean. You were talking to some weird accent. It was just a very funny moment. As it turns out, it was Rich Ackerman cleaning out the fridge, who we've had our, our issues no. with with cleaning out the fridge. By the way, what a great guy he is. <laughs> okay. I love that guy. And, uh, yeah, well, the fridge... <laughs> What? I'm being genuine. Okay. The fridge, he was a fridge caper. He really cleaned out the fridge, and it turns out he threw it out. But you were wrongfully accused. Do you remember that moment? And did you feel like at least we were having fun with it, or were you really sensitive to the fact that Kenny really thought it was you that ate the sandwich or threw out the sandwich? I thought I thought that he was joking. Okay. Uh, Ke- Kenny never liked me. Um, I think Kenny liked you. Kenny never liked me. He, I, think, I think he realized at the end that that was me. But I think he was a little doubtful of the person I was. I think he thought I was a little fake. Okay. Um, there was one time that I well, was... Well, I said that at the beginning because we thought at right. the end of the joke was it's just the right. way you come right. across. But right. then you get to know you. Right. You realize right. that's you. Right. Um, but, you, you know, not everyone's going to like you. Right. That, that's life, and you have to accept that uh, early on or else you're going to be in trouble. But, uh, no, I, I hate the fact that uh, someone else would think that I would take something that is a biological need for them. I mean, you talk about stealing. I mean, there's biological stealing. by you need food. Is you need mean? food. Okay. You need food. You need food a lot more than you need water, because you can go a week without water. You can't go more than two or three days without food. Okay. There you go. This is more education from Shep, the future right. teacher in Memphis. Right. So, am I going to take um, like a rundown from you, or am I going to take a piece of food? Now, to me, if I take a piece of food, that's a lot harsher and a lot more classless than taking a rundown okay so so we had the finger pointed all wrong and obviously you were proved innocent and that might have really helped your case as far as around the newsroom when you find out you're innocent you realize oh we got this guy shep right all wrong here that could have been the turning point for you you think so yes now the two other things i gotta hit on real quick sure running out of time yes sir number one Please do me a favor that anybody knowing you yet in Memphis and looking out for you and keep your wallet in your pocket because how many times oh, have you lost your damn wallet at maybe work? Maybe 30 times? You always carry around your wallet in your hand. You're leaving it all over the place. I see it right next to me right now. It's not in your okay, pocket. Okay, okay. So very, very true story. Yesterday, I got an email saying, by the way, you left your ID in the kitchen. There you go. Can you see? pick it up? Yesterday, 29 years old. I'm still leaving IDs everywhere. You, you ha- you're just very clumsy with leaving stuff. Very old, clumsy. Especially your wallet. You'll find your wallet anywhere. So a lot of people are going to be looking out for you in Memphis. Right. Learn to keep your wallet in your pocket. There's been times Pharrell has not had right. his headphones at the beginning of the show. Yeah, we because, know. Because I'll leave them all over the place. Because you'll have them just underneath the board and you don't even know where <laughs> they are. I realize it, right. So you're very lost with that stuff. Keep right. your head and your shoulders But it with works that. out in the end. Works out in your end. Number two. We found out something yesterday from online. You have a very attractive sister and Thank actually you. two sisters. Thank you. So the Shep family, we met little Shep, uh, which DA did the video with right. when he was making that just a couple months ago. Right. Turns out the the women in your life, the Shep family from New Canaan, Connecticut, quite the lookers. I was from Stanford. My parents moved to New Canaan okay. when I was an adult. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, they, they, they like how their older brother's taking care of themselves and they're inspired. All right. Well, listen, so... Uh, you know, for those of you out there, if you see a really good-looking woman in Connecticut, the chances that they're related to Shep are very good. I appreciate it, man. All right. So, Shep, any final words here on the Permission Granted Podcast? We bid farewell to at least the DA Show listeners. I know some of the Pharrell guys will be listening, too. Do you have a minute? Sure. The floor um, is yours. All right. I, I just want to be sensitive to your time and your show. Um, 
Mraz, people like you deserve to succeed. I appreciate that. You've paid so many dues. Um, I'm a serious person by nature. I, I can be lighthearted, but I'm very serious. So I hope, I know that's not always meant for radio. That doesn't always translate to ra- radio. That's why being in a, in a, in a, a field, a subfield of philanthropy or poverty okay. tends to suit my personality a little more. Um, but you're one of the good guys in this business. I got really lucky with the company that I worked for because there's a lot of good guys here. I don't know all the day guys, but I, the night right. guys that I've worked with, I mean, the Marcos of the world. Um, the, the Marcos the, the, of the, the world. The Nanos okay. of the world. I mean, they're as nice as can be. Um, prom- I, I, you're going to make people better in this industry because you treat everybody well. You treat everybody well. When you ask for tape, and I remember this. It was hard for me because you're my age. You're asking me for tape. Okay. That was hard for me to uh, swallow. But uh, but you were always respectful about it. And you were always Appreciate kind it. about it. And the better you do, the better society is going to be. Because we live in a world where entertainment is about um, superficiality. It's about attention. It's about uh, a buzzword. It's not about improving people's lives. It's not uh, substantive. Uh, I butchered that word. Um, sports has become kissing athletes' asses, and it's become um, pricing out the average fan, and it's become about greed, and it's become about um, taking care of yours, and where in the 40s and the 50s, coaches and players would be eager to get on the air and talk about their experience, talk about their team, and talk about their season, where now you have to go to hoops, jump over fire, um, and then bang down doors just to get someone to come on your show. It's a shame that these athletes don't take advantage of what we can offer them. It's a shame that there are people in this business that are so ego-filled that they don't even know people's names until a year into the job. You are the exact opposite. You have to promise me that you will never change. And Ye is an amazing guy. Yes, You guys, both of you guys, are so good for this station. I hope this station realizes how lucky they are. I know Eric does. I know Eric does. Um, and I know David does, and uh, I'm not an overly religious person, but uh, may God be good to you and yours, and um, thank you so much for always looking out for me, and thank you so much for always having me on your show, and I hope I lived up to what you guys deserve. Well, th- Shep, I, I mean, jeez, kind words. I really appreciate that, uh, you know, and me commenting any further would really do your whole speech right. there. Pretty much injustice. I'm so. not so funny today. No, I, I, I like it. You know right. what, though? But you're getting the raw Shep, which is exactly right. what we were looking for the Permission Granted podcast. Appreciate you, brother. So Thank I appreciate you. Shep. We will miss you here. And uh, please, again, we're going to have to have you check in once you start teaching in Memphis just to get, you know, deal. get the real Shep, all right? Deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be uh, even more broken down, but deal. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, there you have it. That's Dave Shepard, Shep from Pharrell on the Bench, bidding farewell, heading to Memphis to teach. This was the Permission Granted podcast. You can follow me at Twitter, at CBS Shep, you want to give a Twitter plug here? Yeah, uh, it's going to be Shep CVS um, for a little while. Uh, maybe I'll have one-tenth of the followers that you have after this show. Uh, wouldn't be Shep without one of those lines. All right, take care, everybody. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.